Welcome to the first episode of the Draft Buff Podcast, your source for coverage on any and all fantasy esports that Draft Buff provides. I'm your host, Josh Heebie-Jeebie Heber. Now, I've been playing fantasy Overwatch since its inception and have caught the bug that is esports addiction, leading me into both fantasy Call of Duty and League of Legends. Me and the folks over at Draft Buff wanted to make this podcast uh, a place for fans of all three esports to call home. So, welcome here. Each episode of this podcast, you'll be hearing me and sometimes a guest talking about Fantasy Overwatch, Call of Duty, and League of Legends. I'll be giving you updates on top scorers, relevant player news, top tier waiver wire pickups, uh, and what teams will be popping off and when. Basically, this podcast is going to give you the info you need to dominate in any kind of league you're in. Or at least that's the hope. If you're listening and you just want the information relevant to the fantasy esport that you're playing, don't worry. I'll make sure that there is timestamps in the video or audio description that you could just jump to and skip past anything that you don't want to hear. Um, and also, the last thing I want to mention before we get into the bulk of the show is that I want this show to be a show for you, the listener or viewer. I want you to have a significant voice inside of this show. So if you have ever have any suggestions for the show, how you want to see things change, or things you do like, or things you want to expand it on, uh, let me know on Twitter, let me know in the Discord, the Draft Buff Discord, make sure you find me, heebie-jeebie, uh, we'll make sure to add it to the show. Uh, and then the last thing that you can participate in is I want the ending portion of this show to be what I'm going to be calling a fantasy mailbag. So I'll answer any and all questions you have, uh, hopefully fantasy related, but hey, I'll, I'll answer anything in that section. So with all that intro stuff out of the way, let's get into our first eSport, Call of Duty. The CDL started this past weekend, so most likely your drafts are already done. How'd you do? Hopefully you drafted Simp and he carried you to a win, like he did in two of my leagues. Uh, the kid absolutely popped off this weekend with a total of 117.7 points. Now, we don't have anything to reference that to, but I think that's going to be a gigantic weekend total to compete with if anybody wants to break that record. Um, a couple other surprises happened this last weekend. Wuskin uh, scored 93.7 points, uh, and Methods, actually, the Toronto Ultra, scored 82.3. So definitely an exciting weekend in terms of fantasy. Um, with the score spread in our first weekend of the league, I want to talk about what I think is a good stat line, uh, or what players do you really want to keep, what do you want to discard. Now, this first weekend was only two games, not our tournament format yet, so that's something you have to keep in mind. So I don't think overreacting to any of these is a good call, obviously. But I think uh, this stat line will kind of help you put into perspective what players should be earning you. So I would say 80 or above is a great score. I would love to see 80 or above on any of my fantasy players in my lineup each week. I think that it's a good score that will often give you the edge to defeat your opponent uh, that you're matched up against that week. 70 is a good score. That's middling. Um, it's in the upper third of players still, but I don't think it's going to give you an edge to actually beat out the opponent that you're matched up against. Anything under that is the okay to bad region. Uh, so I think 70 is that benchmark that I'm looking for as an absolute minimum, and I'm trying to find players that I think will reach above that. And this goes without saying, but I think 90 or above points is absolutely fantastic, and I would love to have that on my team. 
So the weekend came to a close. Let's talk about waiver wires. If you don't know what waivers wires are, it's the process in which you trade players from your roster to the free agent pool in exchange for free agents. You do this by requesting a player. So requests that you make are put into a list with all the other players in your fantasy league requesting waiver wires. At a certain time, I believe it's this Thursday. So if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, uh, it's happening tomorrow. If you're listening to it on Thursday, happens today. Anytime after, it already happened. Now, these, re uh, these requests are resolved in reverse draft order. So if you had the last draft pick and you were kind of screwed over out of a, a lot of really good picks, this is your chance to drop some of those lower tier players that you had to pick up and try to grab one of those really high rated players that maybe wasn't picked up in the draft. And we're going to be talking about some of those later. Or right about now. Now, DraftBuff was kind enough to give me the ownership percentages of all the CDL leagues that are currently being run on the app. What that means is uh, a player's ownership percentage is how many leagues out of all of them total uh, are they owned in. Uh, and some of these players with the low ownership percentage is not equivalent to their scores that they made, and I think really going to surprise you. So... These are the players that I'm recommending you put in your waiver require request for. Now, I'm going to start off with the one that I'm least confident in, and that is Assault. Now, Assault had a 50% ownership rate going into this first weekend that we had. Now, 50% is, I know, a little bit high, but kind of a coin flip. He's either in your league or not. Uh, but he scored extremely well this weekend, getting 88.8 weekend, or 88. 88.8 .8 points this last weekend. Now, that's the best score in the AR category. Now, I'm saying I was the least confident in Assault because he was playing in front of a home crowd. Now, I'm not really sure how much that's going to weigh into a player's performance, but when it's the opening weekend, that crowd was pretty excited. They were there uh, and cheering on their rocker team. Now, I think that he will go slightly down in performance from that, but I don't think he will go down too far, and so I do think that he is worth the waiver wire request. Now the next player I want to talk about is just a shock to me that his percentage is only at 58%, and that's Major Maniac. Now, an Atlanta phase member being at sub-60% ownership rate is already a crime. Now, he may have had the second lowest scoring phase member this weekend, but that score was still good enough to be top five in the flex, uh, in the flex role. So, this is a huge performer on the best team right now, and on the best team, that makes good points. So this player should be owned by at least somebody in your league. Now, if you're putting in a waiver require request for him this weekend, or for this upcoming event, not this weekend, but the following, you have to remember that Atlanta is not playing in this event at London. So he is going to have to sit on your bench this week. But I would be very confident dropping someone for Maniac just so I can bring him in the next one because the week after London is a home event in Atlanta and I don't think they will be, uh, I don't think anyone's going to take a map off them. So I think they're, e Major Maniac is easily a fantastic pickup. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is another riskier one, and that's Havoc. Now, Havoc is was at 47% ownership rate going into this weekend. Now, Florida looked good, but not unbeatable, not incredible. They just looked decent, like they could win a scrappy fight when their back was against the wall. Now, even taking uh, their one loss that they had into account, 
He still got 64 points, which again, I'm not saying is a great score. I'm not saying it's a good score. I'm saying it's okay. But I do think that this young Florida team does have room to move up, and I think that Havoc and Pristini are both players that I would pick up. However, Pristini, in a bad game, actually brought his uh, average score down quite a bit, so I'm a little bit more concerned about Pristini, but I think Havoc has the chance to pop off and really earn you some fantasy points. That's my riskier gut pick, but worth looking into. Now, these next two were definite sleepers going into the first weekend. Uh... The first one I'm going to talk about is Kismet. Now, Kismet is playing for Paris, which no one thought would do anything in the server whatsoever. However, Paris went 2-0 this weekend, albeit over teams with question marks surrounding them, Optic and London. London looked decent, Optic looked pretty bad. But uh, Kismet, Kismet got 87.2 points this weekend. That is a great great score, one that I would be very excited putting on my lineup. Now, the thing with Kismet is that he's only owned in 22% of leagues. This is a surefire bet that you could pick him up. You could even make him your second waiver wire request, probably, and still get this player. Uh, I think if you're still concerned about Paris being good long-term throughout the season, I think that's fair, but I don't think his value is going to go down that much. 87.2 is a very high peak if it is one. Um, obviously, it's not 117 like Simp, but I am confident picking up Kismet. Uh, but the real kicker here is that he's only owned in 22% of the leagues. That's an easy pickup. Now, here's a piece of advice if you were crazy enough to pick up Kismet. His value is incredibly high right now. Uh, maybe the most it'll be for the entire season. This is a great time to sell high on Kismet if you have him and pick up someone that you're a little bit more confident on. Uh, a really good chance if your league is active enough to have people that want to trade and are interested in trading, I would start throwing around Kismet in offers and just make sure you remind them uh, that he scored 87.2 points last weekend. Now, Let's talk about the other player that, from the European teams, and that is Wuskin. Now, Wuskin at 33% ownership rate, only 33%, and he scored 97.3 points on a 1-1 one one weekend. That includes a loss, and he still scored almost 100 points. I believe this was second in the... Uh, second in the flex category, or maybe the SMG... No, it's the flex one, for sure. Um, this is huge. Uh, unbelievably incredible performance, especially when they're counting for the fact that they had a loss. Now, here's the other kicker that I'd like to throw in, is that this next event is going to be a home event for Weskin. Now, I know I'm throwing a lot of weight in these home and away matches. I mean, Chicago wasn't home or away, but they performed very, very well. Uh, but kind of everywhere is a home event for the Green Wall, question mark. So... Uh, I have a lot of faith in Wuskin. I myself, if you're in a league with me, you're going to be seeing a waiver wire request for me to pick up him, uh, especially for this next weekend. Um, I think he's going to score great, great points for you. 
So those are the players that I want to highlight on the waiver wires. Uh, I think there are some other players that were big surprises that have low ownership rates compared to the points they scored. Uh, the other ones that I didn't mention, I was just more scared of. Uh, I think GodRx would be one of them, but I'm just worried about uh, their performance due to being at a home event. Another one is Methods, also scored pretty well in Toronto. Uh, I just don't have that much faith in the Ultra going forward. So those are my two uh, maybe honorable mentions in this category. So do that with uh, what you will. But most of all, I hope you really had fun. I think this year of fantasy for CDL is going to be fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully you can get Simp somehow one way or another, and hopefully he keeps carrying me to uh, Liquids. So that's going to wrap up this section of Call of Duty. The next eSport we're going to be talking about is League of Legends. Finally, we have a place to play League of Legends Fantasy. Thank you, Draft Buff. <sighs> Now, just as a heads up, I know Draft Buff has both LEC and LCS and combined leagues, but for the first few episodes, I, on this podcast, will only be covering the LCS leagues. Now, I'm really sorry for those of you who are playing in the LEC and the combined leagues. It's just the fact of the matter is I have the least experience in this eSport that I have to the other two. Uh, and so before I start really digging into these other games and learning everything that there is to know about these players, fantasy points, who's hot, who's not, I just need to make sure that I learn the scene first. I don't want to be giving any kind of misinformation or I want to give as little as I possibly can. So please be patient with me, but I promise in the coming episodes you will be able to see content for those leagues and you'll be able to get the information you need to dominate in both of those. So. All that to said, let's take a second and let's talk about how League of Legends scoring works on Draft Buff. Uh, as a default setting, Draft Buff counts your kills, your deaths, and some points for CS. Uh, but at the moment, you just have one of uh, one player in each of those roles. Uh, meaning that you don't really have any players to fall back on except for one bench slot, uh, but that doesn't matter in the week where the games are actually happening. Um, you What you want is really bright performances from these players. Now, what I've found from League of Legends games is that individuals performing well on a bad team that's losing does not translate to fantasy. Unfortunately, these players can look great in server, and just unfortunately their kills aren't high enough, their CS score isn't high enough, they're getting robbed, and their fantasy points are going to reflect it. So, when you are looking to get fantasy players, you want to find good players on good teams that are going to win uh, and not necessarily win in blowouts all the time. You do want the game to be kind of competitive, if only for it to last longer to net you more points in that kills and CS range. So that's my philosophy on creating a roster for League of Legends. So LCS started this last weekend uh, and it was pretty exciting. We had a couple of upsets, some other teams, some teams showing that they are here to contend, uh, some teams not. Uh, feel really badly for you if you have Golden Guardians players on your roster. If you do, uh, ditch them in the waiver wire period that's upcoming this week. Um, now, one thing I wanted to say uh, about in-between periods in League of Legends. Now, waiver wires are going to be a lot more difficult in your single region leagues, your LCS or your LES, because there's just not as many players to go around unless you're playing in a really shallow fantasy league. I'm talking four players at the minimum. Then maybe your waiver wires are going to be very important. 
As of now, you're probably just sitting there looking at the other teams in your fantasy league, green with envy of the players that they have. So that becomes a whole other game, and that is the trade game. You want to sell high on your players to get player uh, to get players on league teams onto yours so that you can score really highly with them. Now, there's a few teams that I think are in the mid-table right now that I think have the potential to move up or, or potentially down uh, that I think you should be looking to try to get in trades right now. Uh, the teams that are coming to mind is CLG, Evil Geniuses has actually got a pretty high stock right now, and uh, FlyQuest all come to mind. FlyQuest, in my mind, is the team that you sell. Uh, historically, they're the team to start fast early and kind of peter off. I think you take that chance to sell high on their players and pick up other players from teams that you think are a little bit better or, in the long run, have a really good chance of paying off. So, the LCS uh, is coming around again this weekend, and I already told you before my philosophy on how he scored points, and that is having players on good teams that are playing in competitive games that last a long time. So I want to talk about what I call the money matchups. Uh, those are the games that will last a long time and net you those points. First one I have to bring up is CLG versus 100 Thieves. Now, admittedly, I'm a lot higher on CLG than most people. I uh, should probably be lower on them due to their first weekend performance. Uh, but I do think that this team can really pull it off. Maybe I am showing my little bit of bias of being a CLG fan. But I think them versus 100 Thieves should be a good match. And I think CLG has the edge there, uh, giving them the win, making sure that you get those sweet points. Also, please, CLG, win. I have three of you on my fantasy league, and it was terrible <laughs> last weekend. So please, give me a win. The, the next team that I want to talk about in the money matchups, the next game, rather, uh, is TL versus Dignitas. Now, TL had a little bit of a rougher start due to missing their, their new jungle, Broxa. Um, but they only went 1-1. One one. So... I think them versus Dignitas is going to be kind of a toss-up. Dignitas looking real good out the gate, uh, surprising a lot of people. Now, I think this game is a bit of a coin flip in terms of who wins. Maybe I'm putting a little bit too much faith in Dignitas. Maybe if I ask the right people, I'm putting too much faith in Liquid. I'm not sure. But I still think that this game, in terms of fantasy points, is in fact a money matchup. I would be very confident about playing either my Dignitas or my Liquid players. I remember I pretty much got demolished in my recent weekend of games by Huni. So, Huni, good fantasy point player. Just as a heads up. The next game in the money matchups category is going to be Evil Geniuses versus TSM. This game, I'm a little bit less sure. The, these teams seem to be kind of middle of the pack, maybe lower end of middle of the pack. TSM should probably be higher. I'm just doubting because of years of history, I guess. Uh, but I think around the same level of team will result in good fantasy points. I don't have too much more to say about that. Uh, the last one I do have in the money matchups category is CLG versus TSM. Call it blind faith, but I hope that CLG will at least earn me a few fantasy points so I don't have to try to trade off literally three players on my team. Oh, this is going to be a rough year of league fantasy for me. Now, as all leagues go, there are money matchups, but there are also going to be your flops every weekend. These are the games that I think is one dominant team and one not-so-dominant team, and that game will end before you can even net those sweet, sweet fantasy points. 
First game I have up in the flops category is going to be Cloud9 versus Immortals. Cloud9 looks unreal to start of the season. I think they're going to have a great, great season. And man, I'm worried, very worried about Immortals. Not as much as I am about Golden Guardians, but I still am worried. And I think that that's going to result in pretty poor fantasy performances, at least from Immortals. I mean, if you have Cloud9 players, you're going to be playing them. There's no reason you'd ever want to drop them. But uh, Immortals, ooh, jeez. I would be concerned. I would maybe look at trying to find a bench spot uh, to fill in for you. Second matchup in the flops is going to be the Golden Guardians versus Evil Geniuses. Uh, this match, I, it just has Golden Guardians in it, so you already know it's not going to be good, but man, you better you better pray that you didn't have those players on your team anyways. Uh, but I don't think Evil Geniuses are going to score that highly in this game. Uh, honestly, the game doesn't look to be competitive. I think that the game's going to be over a bit too fast. I think Evil Geniuses are at a scary point this week. Um, I think that this could be, honestly, a make-or-break-it week for their fantasy points. I'm not talking about season-long Evil Geniuses, where they're going to land. I'm talking about the players that you have with the EG name on Draft Buff. Uh, I'll be a little concerned about them, but hey, you have a short bench on this on this roster. Uh, maybe this week is where you try to trade a couple of your Evil Geniuses players for a little bit more consistency. So that's all I have on the League of Legends stuff for the LCS for this week. Don't worry, like I said, we're going to be learning more about the LEC scene uh, and talking more about specific players on your waiver wires in those combined leagues because that's probably the only league where you actually have players available in your waiver wires. We'll be talking about all that. We'll get a bit more in-depth in our money matches and flops. So just bear with me as I learn this new scene. So the next category that we're going to talk about is Overwatch. Alright, the final type of league you can have on Draft Buff is the Overwatch League. This is my personal favorite. I've been following Overwatch for longer than I have almost any eSport, uh, and I make a lot of fantasy Overwatch content. You may recognize me from Foul Play, another podcast that deals all on fantasy Overwatch League. Um, so, Overwatch League is going to be starting in just a few short weeks. Uh, and team rosters seem like they're finally solidifying, which means it's time to draft. So here's my short list of tips when heading into an Overwatch League draft. First and foremost, this needs to be said, flex supports are numero uno in terms of value. These players play Zenyatta, Ana, and Moira. Uh, and all, those three characters put up huge numbers in healing and damage. Uh, the two stats that pertain to fantasy, along with eliminations. Uh, players high on my list for this role this year are Violet, Shaz, and Jonak. If you played Fantasy Overwatch League in the past, these are no strangers to you. These players are going to be really high. Um, uh, really high valued on the drafts, but also just really high value in terms of season-long points. Um, a couple of sleepers in this role are going to be maybe Alarm of the Philadelphia Fusion. He's a rookie, but has been talked about for a long time as an unreal player. Uh, and maybe... Uh, Youngbong of the Boston Uprising. This is a case of a amazing player on a really poor team, so we'll see how his fantasy points play out, but those are my couple of uh, sleepers in that category. Second one is off tanks are always going to be better than your main tanks. So you very rarely want to be caught fielding a main tank. These are your players that play Reinhardt, that they play your Orisa. Um, both of these Tanks don't do that much damage, and they certainly don't heal anybody, uh, but they also don't pick up as many eliminations as your off-tank players do. This would be the players who play your Sigma, your Diva, or your Zarya. 
Now, these players put up insane fantasy points, and this season, when Sigma is as powerful as he is, or maybe he'll stay that way, I'm not sure. There has been a lot of patches to Overwatch recently. Not exactly sure where the league's going to start on, but I think the rule will stay the same. Off tanks will still be your highest scoring tank players, and you, unless you were fielding a top tier main tank, and even then, I would be very cautious about playing a main tank, off tanks, definitely the players you want to have on your roster. Uh, my third one is, my third tip is going to be try to stay ahead of the metagame. Now, Overwatch definitely shifts metagames quickly, and the devs seem to be letting us know that they are going to be making a shift even faster. Now, in Overwatch League, this means that your, especially your DPS players, will be flexing around to a lot of different, uh, a lot of different heroes. Some of those score really well in fantasy, and some don't. Uh, for example, if a Widowmaker meta comes back, Widowmaker certainly does not score as many fantasy points as, say, a Hanzo or a Reaper or a Tracer. Um, and the biggest example of this is Mei, which is in the last in the last known meta, or last seen meta we saw, was Mei was almost a must-pick on every map. You want to definitely avoid picking her because of her fantasy points. Uh, are extremely low. That character is great for utility, very, very good in that sense, actually, but when it comes to fantasy points, will not be reflecting that value. So you definitely want to be looking for uh, players that will be playing the high fantasy points category. <clears throat> now, this is another philosophy that I have in every esport, but in Overwatch, uh, it definitely matters because uh, teams actually use their bench. Uh, teams will swap players in and out to play specific heroes uh, on specific maps if there's a specialist player. Uh, it's actually a pretty common thing in Overwatch League, way more so in the DPS category, a little bit in the tank department, but kind of non-existent in the support category. Now, my rule of thumb here is playtime above all else. Uh, you never want to be putting up zeros in any of the fantasy categories whenever you can. Uh, that's going to be pretty much an auto loss heading into a weekend. Um, so whatever you need to do to make sure that you are playing a player that you are hopefully above 90% confident will actually be playing and playing every map is very important. Draft buff points were for Overwatch in averaging, like they do in Call of Duty, however they average per match played on a weekend. So they will be adding up all maps put together. Now that means also that more competitive games, the ones that go past just the three game, uh, will be counting for a lot more points since all these maps will be stacked on top of each other in terms of points netting, obviously, a much larger value. So finding those top-tier teams that are very competitive is a very, very important part of Overwatch Fantasy, and you want to be keep in mind when drafting or building your roster. Now, my last piece of advice kind of pertains to the league as a whole, and that is cast your net wide when you're drafting. You want to have as many teams represented on your roster as possible. I should say that within reason. You want to make sure you're still getting good quality players, but you want to cast your net wide. The season uh, is wild in terms of uh, scheduling. There are some teams that have four weeks off in a row, some that have three or two, and there's also weekends where half the league is playing opposed to the whole team. Now, anything you can do to not have a zero player or have 
players that just don't play on your roster that week is what you need to do to actually win in your fantasy leagues. Because of that, you definitely want to cast your net wide, make sure you are collecting as many players from different teams as possible. Also, um, having a deep bench is pretty important in, in this season, especially when teams are having an off week. Um, I would make sure on your draft buff settings, your commissioner, I would make sure that you have at least a 12-person roster. I maybe would even bump that up if you're playing in a smaller league. Now, draft buff gave me a lot of stats, and we heard those in the Call of Duty section, but I want to talk about a different one in preparation for draft day, and that is ADP. Now, that stands for average draft position, or uh, what turn they were chosen on average amongst all drafts done on Overwatch so far on draft buff. Now, uh, not as many drafts have been done. Obviously, the league hasn't started yet, just coming up in, I believe, 10 days or something, so now's the time, but hopefully these numbers will kind of give you... Uh, some sight into who's getting picked and when on draft buff. Now, if you want to look at player rankings, uh, I and a bunch of other fantasy podcasters have been putting together a average, um, an aggregate draft rankings of each role. Uh, you can see that on Twitter. You can see it on mine. I'll make sure to retweet it. Uh, but a bunch of us all put a lot of time and effort into it. So if you want to get really in depth into those, uh, you can check it out there or listen to some other Fantasy Overwatch League podcasts. I don't want to go too deep into it because that, ad, that information has already been talked about at nauseum in these other spots. So um, what we're going to be talking about today is just ADP. So uh, some players that I think are at a very good average draft position and some players that I think is kind of bonkers and how low they're being rated by the current players on draft buff. So my first one, who I think uh, is an immediate checkmark, I think people are doing pretty well, uh, could even be higher, I guess, is Jonak is the highest rated player on the ADP at 4.47%. Now, I think that that's a good spot. Flex supports, you're going to want to be picking first because they are by far the most important. So you want to make sure you're securing those before you're filling out the rest of your team. Jonak, I would say, is definitely a top a top tier pick. I, I still think that Violet is a little bit above him, but that's reflected in kind of a doesn't matter too much stat. He's, Violet is at 6.3%. So... Uh, maybe you think that New York's going to have a bit more competitive games than Shock, and that's why those numbers line up that way. Uh, I personally think Shock will actually be challenged a bit more this season. That's why I'm putting Violet a bit more above Jonek, but just my opinion. Now, another one is interesting with Alarm at 15.5%. Now, like I said, Alarm is definitely a question mark because he's a rookie. Now, he is one of the most talked about and has been seen popping off the most in contenders rookies that we've ever seen. Uh, so I think he will have 100% of the playtime. I think the only reason that Boombox would play over Alarm on the Fusion is if we see a Moira meta. So Alarm's uh, ADP right now is at 15.5%. Uh, I think So that usually means he's at second to third draft round pick. I think that's a little low for such a high tier player. Uh, if I were you, I would keep my eye alarm and be picking him earlier. Another one I saw in the terms of flex supports, and the last one I talk about, I promise, is going to be Aim God. Um, Aim God is at 32 on the ADP. He's playing for the Washington Justice, who I don't think will be that 
great of a team. Uh, I think probably bottom quarter, but with potential to move up into the like middle of the pack area uh, if they hit a good meta. Um, and Aim God seems to be set up to do pretty well here. Uh, I think that he can earn a lot of fantasy points, and I think being at 32 on the ADP is a little bit too, or a little bit, I think is way too low for a flex support that looks like they're guaranteed 100% playtime. So, just my two cents on Aim God being ranked at 32. Let's talk about some DPS. I think these all make sense, these ones I'm going to list, which we have Erster at 11, Cory at 13, and Carpe at 15. Um, I think Car Cory should definitely be the lowest rated. I think Carpe should move up. Uh, Carpe has been an elite level talent for two seasons, and in a Hanzo meta, I think he's going to be unbelievably talented, as I think Erster and Cory will be as well. But I, I do think Carpe is the best Hanzo out of them, but I guess we'll see. Cory did pop off on it on stage four. I think that all these players make sense. I think another one that also uh, includes in this category of making sense DPS players is Hacksaw at 10.8 on the ADP. Um, I really do think that Hexal is an unbelievable talent. I am not bought into the Vancouver is dead now because they uh, picked up Fisher. I think that they'll be still be very competitive. This team has been playing together a long time, and Hexal has been turning heads and clicking heads for even longer. So I think Hexal being at 10.8 is really good. Should be, if not in the top three DPS for you, um, should definitely be in the top five. Let's talk about tanks. Uh, Space and Choi, uh, Choi Hyobin, both being at 15 and 10 respectively. Now, I think this makes sense, uh, but an off tank being at 10 is pretty high. I do think these some of these flex supports should be getting picked even before that, before you're going towards your flex tanks. But, I mean, if you're going to pick my number one pick in the tank category, which is Choi, then I think having him at 10 makes sense. Now, let's talk about the players that I don't think make any sense. Uh, first one I have is Libero of the New York Excelsior at 40th on the ADP. I think this is abysmally low. I think for a top-tier DPS, they should definitely be getting into that um, 15, uh, maybe even like 11 range. Uh, maybe that's a bit too high. I'll say at least in the teens, um, but at 40 is a crime. Libero should be much higher, but... I mean, if he's at that level in the ADP, maybe if you're strategically drafting, you can afford to let him go a couple rounds until you want to pick him up, because players seem to be sleeping on him. Now, this is probably in somewhat in part to the fact that New York has a lot of DPS players and like to rotate them. I still think Libero's a must-play for this team. I'm pretty confident picking him up. Um, let's go to Bishu. Bishu is ranked at 26. Now, this is the inverse of Libero. I think this is far too high. Uh, Bishu does, I think, does not get a second of playing time over space unless he somehow gets sick or something like that. Uh, 26 is just way too high. Bishu should be down there at, I think, 50 or below. Twilight at 20th, also just a bit of a surprise. I think people are still sleeping on Vancouver somehow, even though they were such a dominant team last year. Um, and then the last one I want to talk about is Doha, is at ADP of 52. Now say what you will about Dallas Fuel, and say what you will about what you think their season will be happening. Even then, I think a must-start DPS, which hopefully Dallas, learn from your mistakes, must-start Doha. Uh, even then, I think that is far too low. I think Doha is definitely 20 or above range, especially because I believe he'll be playing the Hanzo for Dallas Fuel, which will net you a lot of fantasy points, so... Uh, yeah, that's a pretty big surprise to me. 
Now, another thing I want to talk about is some of these main tanks are being picked up really fast in these draft buff rankings. Now, I think that's just because people are kind of seeing big names and instantly grabbing them. I just want to say, slow down on main tanks. Jester, uh, Fisher, and Mono are all mid-30s or above. I still think that's too high. These main tanks, I think, will do really well in the season, but I do not think that's going to reflect a fantasy. The heroes just don't line up with the stats that we have available to us at the moment. Who knows, maybe upcoming this season we'll see some changes, but for the moment, I think that's it. So, uh, that's all I have on Overwatch, uh, and that's all I have on Call of Duty and League of Legends as well. So thanks for listening to the first ever installment of the Draft Buff Podcast. Again, I want to say that this is a show made for you, the listeners and players on Draft Buff. So whatever I can do to make the show better, uh, let me know. Let me know in the YouTube comments. Let me know uh, via Discord or maybe Twitter. Uh, you can find me at HeebieGB on pretty much any Discord uh, fantasy-related. Or yell at me on Twitter, at JoshDeGeek. Uh, in the future, you can look forward to having these episodes and um, posted in your in your Spotify feed, in your Apple iTunes feed, or even watching them on YouTube. So I hope you can find us. I hope you can interact with us, and I look forward to playing against you in every fantasy league on Draft Buff. Um, good luck. Have fun.